you're an early stage Web3 founder, apply to our award-winning accelerator program, Basecamp at outlierventures.io slash Basecamp. We write your first $50,000 check and give you access to 200 mentors, including many of the leading Web3 founders, and a network of 1,000 of the world's leading investors and exchanges. We've helped over 30 startups from 15 countries from all around the world, raise $130 million in growth funding, and can help you fast-track product market fit and, where relevant, the launch of your token economy. Okay, so today I'm really happy to welcome to the Metaverse show Benjamin Bertram Goldman, Group Creative Director and Head of Films at Envision. Welcome, Benjamin. Thank you so much for having me. So, I mean, you've got a pretty... Pretty sexy title, I must admit. I hope you use this. If you're single, I hope you use this on your dating profile. But you are a social good entrepreneur, virtual worlds evangelist, and host of Game Night. We'll talk about what is Game Night a little bit later. You're an award-winning creative leader, writer, and producer. And Envision um, is a digital product design platform empowering the world's best user experiences. Um, so... The reasons why we've got you on the show, you know, there are there are several, um, but within Envision, you are working on, we run this documentary film unit that explores the future of design and technology, which includes the metaverse. How could it not? <laughs> and, you know, you've been writing about the metaverse, virtual world design, and importantly, ethics for some time now, um, well before the hype that's kind of entering I think it's you must find it fascinating the level of attention that the word metaverse is getting right now right oh absolutely i mean when when i started really diving into it which was a few years ago already um it was very niche and at times you wonder if you if you're losing it uh and so it's both exciting when it enters the the mainstream public conversation um and also uh, reassuring because it, it it it's it's a nice reminder that um, that that one's not <laughs> one's not crazy and that you know big this is a big idea worth exploring. Yeah, and it's it is hard being early, especially when the thing that you're considering is so mind bending, right? And on the one hand, feels far away and on the other hand feels very very present um and you know so in the introduction i mentioned this idea around the importance of ethics um and in particular i know that you're very excited about the possibility of game design in that context and i mean is that is that gamification or um, game theoretics in the broader metaverse, or is it is it specific to what we might consider game and game design today? Sure. Well, I think that there's there's two parts to to that uh, to answer that question. So, so one, you know, you mentioned like gamification. Um, I think the you know the, the basic economics of games have changed dramatically, right? Um, games used to be a box sold on a store shelf, and when you have such a simple revenue model, there's there's not that much room for questions around ethics and society and um, virtual worlds design. You know, like that was one of the reasons I think a lot of the early controversies around games were about the content, is about violence in video games or what what kids were playing. But these days, games have the, the, the revenue models for games have simply 
um, exploded, right? There's there's microtransactions, downloadable content, subscription, brand partnerships. And so all of that, so once once revenue models start to expand like that, it opens the door for a lot more complex and nuanced conversations around how our games um, generating the revenue and, and what the ethics are of their revenue models. Uh, I think the second part of that question, though, is is in some ways even more interesting. It's around the idea of what what's possible. Like, how can we explore the the ethical limits of of games and what's possible within them, and what kind of societies we can create inside of them? And fortunately. Uh, a lot of this isn't new. There's virtual virtual worlds uh, such as the kind found in MMOs like World of Warcraft or or Second Life or some of these new um, platforms that are emerging. You know, it's it's an area that's been of of immense interest to academics and researchers um, and various scholars for decades. Right? There's you know one of the most famous ethical explorations. Uh, of the implications of virtual worlds was published in the Village Voice in 1993. You know, a year before the metaverse was coined in Snow Crash. So, so all of that to say is that there, there's we have to be both mindful of the ethical implications of how games are generating the revenue, but I think there's also a lot to explore in terms of how can games and virtual worlds be used to design societies that reflect our latest understanding of ethical values. Yeah, and there's lots there, right? So I'm looking forward to exploring that, both ethics, business models, and I guess for how I understand the metaverse is this blurring of physical and digital. It's how can the virtual impact um, the physical? And I'm sure you're familiar with the book Gamer Theory. And and so I'd be interested to, to explore that a little bit later. But maybe let's just start at the top. How do you define the metaverse? And... Is it different to or an extension of, as you say, the, these kind of early mentions of the metaverse in the context of Snow Crash and, and Ready Player One? Sure. So the, the simplest definition that I have of the metaverse is that it's a network of virtual worlds, right? And so there's two components to that. There's the network, which assumes that 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 these virtual worlds are interoperable and people can move between them relatively seamlessly. It borrows some of the language that we use to describe the current um, internet. But then the second part of that is virtual worlds. And I think virtual worlds is something that is uh, fairly well-defined and they've existed for a long time. Uh, A virtual world is a persistent shared uh, environment that is under the influence of uh, virtual people or avatars. And so when you think about combining those, what you get is, you know, a network of virtual worlds. And, and that, I think that to me is the simplest definition of uh, the metaverse. And it also leaves open a lot of room for interpretation based on how things will play out. Right. Um, but I think at the, at, at the fundamental level, that's, that's what we're talking about. There's also the broader definition of the metaverse, which I think is a lot more interesting, and it's the one that's explored in novels like Snow Crash or Permutation City or Neuromancer, which is which is how does the metaverse relate to, to us as human beings and what are the implications of it, right? We And I don't think we understand that, that answer quite as much. We don't yet know how the metaverse will impact our understanding of alternate identities or di- virtual relationships. Um, and so I think that's the part that I'm that I'm more interested in exploring personally and creatively. Yeah, and it's interesting um, the relationship between science fiction 
and the present and its ability to provide these kind of mental frameworks for how we can assess the world around us. So, um, and, and that definitely spills over into ethics, but like just to kind of stay, stay close to this debate around science fiction and, and the origins of what we have come to define, understand as the metaverse, to what extent do you think that they still hold because a lot of these were written in, you know, 80s, 90s, you know, we're, we're um, many decades on from that now. The world looks very different, I guess, in, in some ways. Do you think it needs updating? Do you think it needs constantly updating? Or actually, does it, does it hold? Well, I think what's really interesting about science fiction is that it's always served as a kind of vehicle for social commentary. And I think the same is very true of the metaverse, right? A lot of the early depictions of the metaverse, they're of varying degrees of dystopian to utopian. And I think that it they're useful in the sense that they they serve as both like warnings of what could go wrong with the metaverse, but they also serve as as potential, you know, guideposts for what we could do right or or well with the metaverse. And so I think that regardless of whether the metaverse in its final form reflects some of the early imaginings of the metaverse. I think science fiction um, has always been a useful, a useful vehicle for exploring these different ideas. And it's especially true uh, with the metaverse since it, since it's an idea that has such a rich legacy in science fiction, and it's been considered by so many uh, important, important intellectuals and writers. Yeah. And I guess also brought to life uh, through many different forms, including, you know, more recently, um, movies and and you're absolutely right you know science fiction is a lens to to provide social commentary on on the present certainly i think if you look at the process of capturing control by a single corporation in in with oasis uh, in, in the oasis with ready player one um sounds and looks quite similar to what we're experiencing with the duopoly with gaming engines or the monopoly of facebook or, or, or google um so uh, and I think you know one of the interesting things you mentioned earlier is this kind of feedback loop in a way, right? What is the impact of 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 these virtual worlds on the people that inhabit them, and how does that play out in the non-virtual kind of the, the wider wider social setting? Um, so when we talk about ethics, what is the spectrum of ethics? I mean, we're we talking about ethics in a classic classical sense. Um, who gets to determine the ethics that we might be either assessing or designing for. And, you know, if I, if I look at just the history of the web, the declaration of the independence of cyberspace um, by John Perry Barlow, I think, um, you know, there are a lot of principles that people almost take as, as fact now, um, certainly on the West Coast, about how they think about the role of technology in society and like, this kind of free market fundamentalism. Um, so, so when we're thinking about the metaverse, how do you engage with the debate of ethics and ethical design? Sure. It's a, it's a great question. So I think it's widely accepted that one of the problems with the, our current technology landscape is that ethics has not been part of the conversation as much as it should be, right? There's kind of been this mantra of, move fast and break things. And that may get you some great products, but it doesn't necessarily hold up when what you're breaking is something like democracy, right? So 
so I think that one of the opportunities with the metaverse is to is to really take a step back and consider ethics and learn from some of the mistakes that we've made in our current uh, internet landscape. Um, I think it's especially important for the metaverse, though, in a very unique way, because the metaverse, you know, as we know from from gaming, immersion is a key feature of virtual worlds in the metaverse, right? This idea that people you know, when, when you when you raid a dungeon in World of Warcraft, you don't say my character raided the dungeon, you say I did, right? It was me that did it. And there's a lot of uh, great research that shows how strong that emotional connection can become to your avatar, your virtual identity in the virtual world that you inhabit. And so that's both a double-edged sword because what it means is that the, the opportunity for positive experiences is extremely heightened. You can have really rich deep emotional connections with people that you can't have by scrolling through a Twitter feed or, you know, or Facebook feed. Right. Um, I think that's one of the reasons Mark Zuckerberg, you know, years ago started to invest in Oculus and has more recently started to move to the metaverse because he understands this uh, at a primal level. The double-edged sword to that though, is that the opportunity for negative experiences is also much more heightened, right? Because the metaverse uses these fundamental human, it's much more, it's much closer to human, um, understanding and perception, right? It uses concepts like time and, and space and identity that's much more proximate to our own reality. What that means is that when you have a negative experience, that can be both much more visceral and it can be felt uh, much, much more deeply by the player. Um, you know, Raf Koster has this great quote in a talk that he gave at the Game Developers Conference in 2017, where he said that there's not a single commercial virtual world that doesn't have both the FBI and the suicide hotline on speed dial, right? Because the fact is that people form really deep emotional connections to these worlds. And so we have to start taking the conversation around ethics seriously, because if we're asking uh, you know, humanity to move in mass into virtual worlds, we have to understand what the implications of it is going to be on the individuals and on society at large. Yeah, and it's interesting. I literally just got off um, a call with a startup pitching um, an idea around a jobs marketplace native to the metaverse. And what would that look like? And the idea that the kind of skills that future organizations are going to need, perhaps even present, um, you know, when they're looking at Gen Z and uh, earlier, are generally not necessarily going to show up through classic higher education. Um, they are going to be developed primarily in gaming environments now, um, and then, you know, increasingly in virtual worlds. And so, um and in parallel to that, I, I read this month's Wired article here in the UK in, in the monthly magazine, and they were talking about how somebody created a fascist dictatorship in Roblox um, in the early days, which gained a massive audience, um, which was ran by pretty much the far right. You know, I think some of them were doing it for quote-unquote shits and giggles and others were a little bit more serious about some of the ideology but nevertheless there were you know it there were children effectively in these environments that were being conditioned to think um, and accept fascist ideology now i guess the question is um do we allow for that to happen on a given platform 
And as we might begin to build worlds in more open, permissionless environments, which is advocated for, of course, with a lot of Web3 proponents, myself included, um, do we have to accept that the, the, the best and the worst of reality is going to be reflected and then, as you say, potentially amplified in the virtual? Yeah, it, it, it's a wonderful question. I think it's a, it's a it's a very important topic. So I personally am not for censorship. And I think one of the fundamental appeals of virtual worlds is this idea that we can explore different society, societal models. We can explore different models for labor, for capital, um, even for things like justice. Um, and I don't think that that we should jump to the position of trying to control necessarily how what kind of societal models people use to express themselves and their ideas. Uh, what I do believe, however, is that the, the responsibility of people going into the metaverse or building a company in the metaverse is to make sure that, that what they're building provides an alternative and, and, it's, and that it, it is informed by our best ideas for how to create a fair economy or society um, or an enriching culture uh, because we are going to have to compete with some of these more radical ideas for how a virtual society should be run. And the only way to effectively compete with them is to build a better alternative. Yeah. And I, I, I think I subscribe to that too. You know, the idea that ultimately we're going to see experimentation in, you know, both collectively and individually into competing, perhaps conflicting social economic models in, in the virtual sense. And I guess one of the neat things is, unlike the real world where you're bound by, you know, your physical geography, if you're in Afghanistan right now, then you're probably going to have to accept what's imposed upon you by the Taliban, for example. Whilst in the metaverse, again, in, in theory, you can exit system, you can enter and exit systems freely. Um, you can experiment with them um, to develop a firsthand experience of communism or you know free market fundamental like whatever the flavor um where you could move beyond theoretics to kind of practical lived experience and as, as you say like identity and lived experience is perhaps different in a virtual sense than a, than a physical sense right yeah absolutely and i think it's it's one of the great opportunities that we have with the metaverse is that we can experiment with our best ideas right if we if we want to enact change in what we call quote unquote the real world it requires decades of work activism on the ground influencing government perhaps lobbying and then even when you implement a change to you know how is how the economy works there's a lot of unexpected consequences now one of the appeals of the metaverse is that all of that is much, much easier. You can spin up a virtual world that that's, has these ideas built into its DNA, and you can then experiment and iterate at the level at the same rate that you can experiment and iterate with computer software, right? And so that is something that we have as an opportunity in front of us is to experiment with these different ideas. And some of them are going to work, and some of them aren't. And hopefully, if we build the metaverse right and open enough, then the best ideas will succeed. I think the bigger danger, however, is that a few big players get in early, they define what their vision is for a metaverse, and then we're all forced to to essentially fit into that vision. Yeah. Now, you mentioned open, and um, I'm personally, and we at Outlier are big advocates of 
uh, an open metaverse or the open metaverse. So I definitely want to kind of pick up on that. But just before I do, um, I would like to get your perspective on, so for me, how I understand the metaverse, both in terms of my interpretation of it in a science fiction context, and then if I try to project that into the future, how I approximate it might turn out. It, for me, one of the defining characteristics of the metaverse probably will be the fact that it will be an economic system that will enjoy supremacy to and independence from nation states, um, fiat-based systems. Do you subscribe to that? Do you think that with the metaverse very quickly, what we're talking about will, will go over the top of these existing systems and then governments, regulators will, will have, to, have to try to figure out, try to catch up? Or do you think that actually we need, that the creators of virtual worlds need to be regulated or the reverse need to proactively think about how they can be integrating into existing financial political systems? Yeah, it's a, so, so I think that there is going to be a lot of uh, cross-pollination when some of these virtual worlds begin to, to really take off between so there's going to be a lot of cross-pollination between the virtual worlds and what we call the real world, right? There's a wonderful virtual worlds economist named Edward Castronova who's written extensively about this. And one of his theories is that the, the rise of virtual worlds and as people move into these places, and especially as more economic activity moves into these places, it's going to create a new, it's going to create a new demand for fun, Right. And that demand will be so heightened and so appealing inside of virtual worlds that it'll force government to reconsider how it prioritizes fun and how it imbues fun into a society that it governs. And so I believe that we will see a lot of that happen. I also do believe that the metaverse will bring people together and it'll weaken some of these national identities. Right. Um, when you think about the current internet, you could argue that sure, a platform like Twitter brings people together around the world, but it's not its not presenting that community through a naturally human lens. It's very abstracted, right? We have a feed, we have profiles, we have retweets, we have comments. Those are all very new terms in the grand arc of, of human civilization, right? But in the metaverse, a conversation or might be happening in a public square, right? Because it's using these mechanics of reality such as space and identity and time in a way that we can understand much more naturally. And so I think that we will start to see more people um, form very tight social bonds in the metaverse and and th that will weaken some of our ties to things like nationality. And, and ultimately, you know, I think we're, a lot of this starts to overlap with um, with decentral the, the decentralization movement, blockchain, NFTs. Is that it's probably only going to happen when a significant portion of economic activity moves to virtual worlds, right? I would argue a lot of economic activity already happens in virtual worlds, but it's closed, right? What it's it's subject to the rules of Fortnite or Roblox um, or or Minecraft, and and so. And so it's not quite, you know, it's very self-contained, but I think one of the promises of decentralization and the blockchain is that, is that it will no longer be isolated. It'll, it'll start to mix with our reality much more heavily. And I think once that begins to happen, it's inevitable that 
governments ha- are going to have to respond and acknowledge it and what's happening inside these virtual worlds. Right. And there's a direct incentive for them to do so, right? Tax. So if there's economic activity that they're failing to tax um, and that becomes substantial enough, then they'll begin to recognize it. And you can see with crypto, whilst there's resistance to some of the things that happen in crypto like DeFi, they're very happy to tax the capital gains or income derived from it. And so they'll acknowledge it's a taxable thing. Um, at the same time, you know, they won't acknowledge it in, in other ways. And I think it's interesting. So I'm, I'm kind of halfway through a book called Work, and I can't remember the name of the author, sadly, but um, it kind of charts from an anthropological perspective, sociological perspective, the, the trend of work in human societies. And interestingly, you know, the idea that work is a, a, a response to necessity is really challenged. It says actually work generally is the product of abundance um, and free time. So the idea that, well, the more free time we have, the less work we do actually doesn't hold. Um, And so the idea that the central idea is effectively work is a form of play. Like most work we don't need to do. Um, We can comfortably live well beyond, you know, a a certain level of comfort. Um, And and so, you know, again, I think this idea of play as work, work as play gets really blurred in the context of of the metaverse. Um, so, you know, we're talking about some of the principles of decentralization and, and what I would call, say, Web3 um, and, and coming back to this idea of openness. So for you, what is, I mean, do, would, you, would you call something an open metaverse? And if so, in what ways do you imagine or hope or forecast it, it will be open? So I think that there, there are a number of um, platforms that are moving in that direction. Um, obviously, things like Decentraland and Sandbox. Um, how, I, however, I, I do think that one of the one of the the barriers to some of these early projects is that they have not quite grasped the importance of fun. Right? Um, fun fun is the is in in my belief is the on ramp. To mass virtual worlds, without and that's one of the reasons that a game like Fortnite, despite having a lot less potential for you know its its creators to maybe earn money as they do in even a basic NFT game like Axie Infinity, uh, is so popular. Be- it's because ultimately what's going to get people into these virtual worlds is is fun. Um, so, but that said, I think that it's it's not necessarily a bad thing to start from the perspective of well our biggest priority is the decentralization the open the open metaverse concept um, and instituting some of these these ideas around uh, the decentralized finance i think it's a very valid it's a very valid starting place and it's but but it, it doesn't obviate the need for these platforms to eventually start to evolve into uh, more fun game-like experiences. Right. And of course, that currently has been the advantage of these more centralized platform studio, gaming studio entities is that they're in in the business of of fun or at least entertainment um, in a way that many in the open metaverse or Web3 movement have been much more focused on, you know, the technology and perhaps principles around 
self-sovereignty and, and all that kind of stuff. But as you say, Axis is beginning to um, make some inroads into basic forms of, of, of fun. Um, so maybe to just close off, and you know, I, it's a shame. I, I can't wait, uh, hopefully at some point, to have a beer with you. I mean, don't tell anybody, but I have actually been having a beer whilst we've been talking. Um, <laughs> Enjoy. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, maybe, maybe Cheers. In, in a real right, this is definitely a pub, pub chat. Um, but to close off, Zuck, you know, announced recently that he's transitioning Facebook into a metaverse company. Um, firstly, do you think this is a new strategy or this is um, this has already been something that's been well in motion at, at Facebook for several years? And then secondly, how do you think Facebook in the metaverse will play out? So I do not think this is a new strategy. I think that the term the metaverse may have entered into that conversation um, very recently. Uh, you know, perhaps perhaps it's given a new form or life to some of his ideas. But if you go back, you know, all the way to looking at the Oculus acquisition, the, like there, there's a certain amount of prescience that's demonstrated just by that acquisition. I remember at the time, a lot of people thought it was it was quite baffling. Um, so I think this is something that Mark has been looking at for years and thinking about for years. And I think that any anybody who is, you know, in his position um, should have been thinking about it, right? The, the signs that gaming is growing and evolving into something new have been with us for a very long time, right? Grand Theft Auto, it's been over, what, it's been a decade or more since their last release, right? These games are already evolving into persistent social platforms where people are spending more of their time. So whether or not he had the term back then to describe what his ambitions were, I think that he did see some of the writing on the wall and he took proactive steps to get ahead of it. In terms of how it plays out, I don't know. I mean, th this is the thing, you know, a company like Facebook, they have an enormous advantage given their user base and, and the um, technology and research and development at their fingertips. Um, but I think that the metaverse is weirder than most people think that it is, right? I do not think that the metaverse is going to be something that's fun and cartoony all the time. It's going to be something that has, you know, very weird places in it, very weird people, people doing weird things, expressing themselves in very new ways. And so I'm inherently skeptical of any centralized effort to to build the metaverse because I think fundamentally it won't be it won't be as weird as it needs to be for it to succeed, right? When you think about the internet, how weird is the internet, right? It's, it's, not, it's not something that you can fit neatly into a box and people disagree with what should be permitted and what shouldn't be. And I think the same holds true for the metaverse. So I have no doubt that Facebook has the ability to play a, a really fundamental role in the evolution of the metaverse. I think it's something that people need to pay attention to. Um, but I think even Mark admits that Facebook will never build the metaverse because it can't be built by a single entity. It, it has to be something that's much more organic that emerges based on some shared principles and protocols. And so we'll see how it plays out. Um, but I'm currently betting on the weird metaverse. Yeah, me too. Well, I mean, if, if the NFT space is anything to go by um, as to <laughs> how weird it's going to get, I, I think that's all you need to do right now. I, I just Absolutely. Just loaded up on some fluffs, which are these 3D weird bunnies. Um, <laughs> not sure why, but they seem to be making money. Um, so, uh, so look, it's been fascinating talking to you. I mean, we barely scratched the surface, but nevertheless, I think 
hopefully we've given the listeners enough of an appetite to you know, go and read several of the books that you mentioned. Um, but as I said, you've got a, a really substantial body of work on this subject matter, some of the key considerations. How do people find you, find that content and immerse themselves in your your brain? Sure. So the, the best way to find some of my work is just to visit my personal site, benjamin.tv. Uh, you can also follow me on Twitter at benfromtv. And if you'd like to be part of the conversation, we also have a subreddit, um, the r slash the metaverse. Very cool. And, you know, I think um, very appreciative of what you're doing in the space. I think it's really important, timely, prescient that you're asking the questions that you're asking now before we kind of get carried away with, you know, all the excitement uh, of the technology that's coming online, that's converging and that's, that's making these experiences that much more immersive. Um, so thanks for coming on, Benjamin. Really appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please make sure you subscribe, rate, and share your feedback to help us reach as many people as possible with the important mission of Web3. Thank you.